1: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See
2: website for details. And welcome to the unofficial first episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. Uh, again, we'd like to thank Scott Mason and the Play Like a Jet podcast feed, uh, our friends through Return on the Jets, uh, for letting us uh, you know, advertise uh, what our new podcast is going to be like to to Scott's viewers and also giving uh, Michael and I uh, a chance to kind of run through our show and see what kind of works and what doesn't work. Uh, so this is kind of a practice run, a trial run, and also kind of to just talk some jets and, and show what, you know, uh, what Michael and I could do together. Uh, without further ado, uh, I'm Ben Blessington
0: and I'm joined uh, by Michael Dandy. Uh, Michael, how you doing, man? I'm doing really good. Really excited to kick off this podcast. Uh, I think this this can be something really fun throughout this season and hopefully for many seasons to come, hopefully many playoff seasons and maybe at least one championship season uh, in the years to come. <laughs> so I'm really excited to kick this off. And uh, this definitely feels like the start of something special, just like 2019 will be for the New York Jets.
2: Right, I love I love the optimism on, on both fronts, but I agree with you I, I, again on I, both fronts. Look, I, you know, I, there is no better time to. Start a podcast than right now uh, covering the New York Jets is an exciting time for the team. Uh, you know, Michael and I have known each other for a while, and, you know, we feel like we have good chemistry through uh, playing Fortnite duos. Unfortunately, that chemistry didn't lead to many wins, though. Yeah, I, I guess I, I hope this podcast fares better than our 1 in 500 record. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know what? We both said, why not start a podcast? Uh, we, we both have some experience in the podcast uh, podcasting world, so... Uh, we knew if we were going to make it, we, we definitely wanted to make it unique uh, uh, because, you know, obviously, whenever somebody announces a, a podcast, uh, I know the reaction is definitely, oh, great, another podcast. That's exactly what we needed. Um, but, you know, Michael and I knew if we were going to launch one, we wanted to make it, you know, unique, versatile. We want to make it funny, our own. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're launching uh, – so we're recording this episode, this preview episode on a Monday – This will drop on Wednesday. I believe that's like the 31st or something. Our first official episode drops August 5th. That'll be on our feed, um, but you can follow us on Twitter at CYJPod. I run that account. Uh, If you want to follow Michael um, for his, you know, Michael specific tweets, you can follow him at Michael underscore Nania. But yeah, so we'll have our first official episode dropping uh, next Monday. Um, And and our plan is just to kind of do an hour each Monday. Um, just kind of talking jets. And as I said, we have, we have a few different things planned, uh, trying to get, you know, doing some interviews, doing some segments, uh, just trying to make it again, different and, and interesting for our listeners. Um, and again, this, this is a show of the people. If there's something in this podcast that you, de- you don't, you know, you, you don't think, uh, worked well, uh, feel free to tweet at us and, and we'll definitely take it into consideration. We want to make this a, a great podcast. And as Michael said, a, a special podcast. Um, so without further ado, uh, I guess we'll hop right into it, um, it's it's been the first week of jets training camp this past week. And so Michael, I guess I'll kind of start broad kind of what are your thoughts, your feelings on, on how this first week has gone and, and how things are looking um, for the rest of training camp.
0: Yeah. So I think whenever you talk about training camp, the number one thing is that you don't want to see anyone get hurt. And there was a, a few reports that Jameson Crowder had a foot injury today and he's going to have an MRI later in the week. So best which is for him, obviously, you hope that he's not going to miss any time. Well, I mean, training camp time would be okay, but hopefully he doesn't miss any time in the preseason to get prepped for the regular season and, of course, into the regular season. So hopefully things are okay with him. Uh, Brent Qualley had an injury, which is unfortunate. Uh, That also could open up a door for Chuma Idoga to maybe become the top backup offensive tackle. So obviously injuries is the number one thing. Hopefully no one gets hurt. And it's been okay so far for the Jets. We'll see what happens with Crowder, but as long as everyone's healthy, I think that's the top goal, uh, especially when you don't have, and as Jets fans, we're used to this when there's no quarterback competition going on. Uh, at last, we don't have to worry about that. So there isn't a huge battle there to worry about. So injuries is the top thing. But other than that, there are a few battles that we do want to see how they play out. You had the cornerback battle, which is going to be Really deep and fun to watch. I think wide receiver past the top three guys is going to be interesting. Backup quarterback, we don't know who's going to take that spot. Kicker could be interesting. Chandler Catanzaro has reportedly been struggling so far. Uh, Backup linebacker, starting pass rusher or outside linebacker opposite Jordan Jenkins could be interesting. So there are a lot of battles across the roster. But luckily for us, there isn't anything too big that we have to worry about. So as long as they come out healthy, that is the top thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, that that's the fun part about training camp is monitoring those those different position battles uh, and whatnot. And you, you talked to, you touched on a few subjects that we definitely want to talk about, you know, obviously the weaknesses at offensive line and cornerback. Uh, but before we get to that, I, I know you, you did a little bit, a uh, little thing on Twitter earlier this morning talking about Sam Darnold and, and his route distribution. It, it, you know, I figured you have a podcast to, to discuss this. I, so I, I, I'll, I'll give the mic to you you know, tell the listeners a little bit about what
0: you found when when analyzing the different route distribution uh, for, for Sam Darnold. Yeah, so I've been doing a, a whole series of articles on Sam Darnold and his stats broken down by route type over all of his games last year at Gangry Nation. So I have all the articles up on that over there. You can fi- I've tweeted out the links. You can find them at Gangry Nation. So I've been running through those and just breaking down Just his stats by route type, his accuracy, his drops, his yards, touchdowns, interceptions, everything, breaking it down by route type. It's just a different angle to look at a quarterback's production. You know, you can see his home splits, his road splits. Obviously, we know he played better at the end of the season versus the beginning. So there are a lot of general splits that are available for any quarterback, any player in any sport, really. But uh, just to look at Sam Darnold's route types, just kind of look back at the film and chart everything it definitely gives you a different perspective that you aren't really getting anywhere else so it was interesting to go back and look at it that way and today what I put out on uh today I'm recording this is Monday so back on Monday I posted this but the latest piece I put out on Sam Darnold's route type production was the difference in his performance over that four game hot stretch at the end of the season versus his first nine games of the season and taking a look at the differences in his production at the end versus the beginning of the season. And there were a lot of things that stood out. But overall, what you really could see is that he was just generally really a lot better overall and taking a look at his accuracy uh, at all the different route types. I tracked 15 different route types and Sam Darnold adjusting for drops was more accurate in 11 of those route types compared to, to the beginning of the season. And the only three routes that he wasn't better at were the crossing route, in which he only threw two of those over the last four games, and both of them were incomplete. So it was a small sample size. Uh, And the go route and the post route, in which he's only slightly below average. If he completed one more of each of those, he would have been improved over the first half. But every other route, he was more accurate than he was in the beginning of the season, based on adjusted completion percentage. And a lot of those, he's a lot better. He's more accurate on the corner route curl route, 23% more accurate and the out route about 4% more accurate. Both of those on a large sample size, dig route, 20% more accurate. All of his underneath routes were more accurate, slant, drag, flat, even the screen route as check downs, he was more accurate with. So there are a lot of different ways you can chop it up. And there are a lot of different things I noticed with, uh, which kind of routes he was better with the corner curl and out routes were the top routes that saw the biggest improvement in yards per game for him at the end of the season versus the beginning. But overall, you could really just see how verse really with every single route, deep routes, intermediate routes, the underneath stuff, how much more accurate we- he was, how much more balanced his route distribution was. And another big thing that uh, kind of got pointed out when he compared the end of his season to the beginning was the screen game. The Jets completely took that out at the end of the season. He threw about three fewer screen passes per game uh over the final four games versus the first nine games and that was about three times bigger uh three times a drop three times bigger than any other route type so it definitely showcases the confidence that the coaches had in him at the end of the season especially coming off of the three-game absence he had with the injury so there are a lot of different ways to slice it up if you look at the article i go into a lot more but there was definitely a lot you could take from it but the really overall the the overall takeaway is that he was clearly a lot better. His accuracy adjusted for drops was about 11% better over those, over those final four games. And that was with his average attempt distance rising by about a yard and a half, which doesn't sound like a lot, but is really substantial. So his average attempt distance over those final four games was about 10 yards downfield, which which would be top three in the league and a year. And his accuracy still rose by about 11%, which again is really substantial. That's about the difference between average and elite. So, just the performance, uh, the improvement you saw from him coming back after the injury was tremendous, and it really showed up when you broke down his performance by all the different route types. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as um, simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called
2: The, the deal.
0: deal.
2: Listen to The Deal.
0: Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
2: Yeah, and I think the most interesting part of that is is you look at some of the routes that, you know, didn't have as much success. And, and some of them were the underneath routes. And you talk about them taking out the screen game. And you look at what exactly do the Jets target in the offseason. I mean, you got a guy like Le'Veon Bell who, you know, Sam Darnold, even if they took out the screen game, he doesn't get enough credit. And I think it's uh, at Drew from Jersey pointed this out on Twitter. He throws a really nice screen ball from what you can see in practice. Yeah, and yeah.
0: That, that's from a really what he does underrated on- point. And I think with the Jets, we've seen that a lot. And it's not just do you not airmail the pass, but throwing it in stride is really valuable and lets the receiver, whether it's the back or the tight end or whoever – it lets them maximize their yak and just keep going in stride. And that is something I think Darnold does pretty well.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And and you look at who they brought in. They brought in the guy like Le'Veon Bell, who's going to be a huge be- you know benefit in that area. You look at Ty Montgomery, Bilal Powell coming back. Those are guys that are going to really help that area of his game. And even a guy like Jamison Crowder, hopefully he's all right. We don't really know. I think by the time people are listening to this. They'll have an update on his on his injury status. But, you know, those underneath routes, those screens, those drags and whatnot, I think you'll see a bigger boost. I mean, as you do with most sophomore quarterbacks, but specifically in how the Jets targeted some of his weaknesses, uh, I'm excited about that because we already knew that he was good at throwing outside the numbers. We, we know he's going to be able to do that with Robbie and, and Anunwa. It's really been okay. Well, you know, how is he doing on on those rhythm throws, those those slants, those drags, those ends, those curls and whatnot? And I think it was a really interesting breakdown. And as Michael said, you can find it on Gang Nation uh, or Michael's Twitter page. Um, speaking of of some of those guys they brought in, I, uh, Michael and I we, we decided we wanted to have you know a bit a bit of fun with with some stats. So I guess we'll, we'll do a receiving touchdown. Uh, over-under for
0: for some of the top marquee uh, players uh, on this team. Michael, does that sound all right? Yeah, I think that's pretty... We've been actually going... I put out a tweet a few days ago about this, and there was a lot of debate with it, so I think it's definitely a really... It's a good training camp topic.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think people... You know, we, we had the thought maybe we should do the exact number prediction. But I think this is, makes it, a, you know, a bit more of a debate because it's really hard to predict those numbers. Michael and I have both agreed that, you know, I, I said I think Sam Darnold's going to throw around 30 touchdowns this year. Uh, Michael said 29. I could see somewhere around 31 or something. Um, so, you know, I figured this might be a better gauge. just over-under. We'll start with Quincy Inunua. Um, You know, this is a guy that hasn't really seen the end zone that much since 2016. I mean, I guess he was injured in 2017. He scores week one of 2018, and he doesn't hit pay dirt for you know the rest of the season. Granted, he was injured and, and whatnot uh, in 2016. I believe he hit the end zone four times. So I guess I'll set the the over under at four. Michael, I'll start with you. Over under four
0: receiving touchdowns for Quincy Nunwa. I think I'm gonna go over, and and like you mentioned, he's only scored five touchdowns in his 40 games in the league, uh, and obviously. Uh, few of those are back when he wasn't really getting that many targets over his first two seasons but he only had one last year and he only had four in 2016 even when he he had a really good season that year but still only scored four times so he hasn't been a big touchdown guy and I think a big reason is that he hasn't been that active in the end zone they haven't targeted targeted him that much and I don't think his skill set is that much uh uh, suited for a lot of red zone production so I don't think he's ever going to be a huge uh touchdown guy but I do think he'll beat four this season I think that Sam Darnold and him, I think they are a good match. We didn't really see it that much last year, especially after Anunua got hurt down the stretch of the season. But I think with what Quincy can do down the field, and again, we didn't see him get used downfield that much because early on he's mostly using the screen game. Then he got hurt and he wasn't really himself. So I think as long as Anunua is healthy, we'll really see, because Sam Darnold needs to get better with those deep throws too. That's one thing that he struggled a little bit with last year. And going through my route type right, uh, breakdown, you could kind of see that his, his production on go routes and post routes were kind of below average last year. So that's something he can get better at. And in 2016, Anunua on those routes was really, really good. And we didn't see it that much last year because he was so busy at the screen game early on. And then, of course, he got hurt and just his production dipped. So, and that also could can be one of the knocks on Jeremy Bates last year. I think he can get knocked a little bit too much. But one of the things that I do don't like that – one of the things I don't like that Bates – did last year is that he didn't use Anunua downfield enough. So I think we'll see more of Anunua down the field this year. Having Herndon, once he comes back, having Bell, having Crowder, should take some of the underneath load off of Anunua. We could see more of him downfield and potentially score some of those deep touchdowns. So I'll go over four, only slightly. I think he'll get about five this year, maybe six, five or six around there.
1: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: Yeah, I agree with you. And you know, obviously, you're you're the stats and analytics guru. But I think with Quincy Nunua, stats are are a bit deceiving when you see the low amount of touchdowns. If you're a fan from another team and you see that Quincy Nunua is one of the Jets starting wide receivers, you see, well, this guy had one touchdown last year. As you said, I don't think that paints the full picture of of who Quincy Nuna is as a receiver and how he was used last year. I mean, they really he was Mr. Bubble Screen and Underneath Route. You know, you can already see from practice and, and from what I mean, Adam Gase has said and Quincy Nuna said himself that he's going to be used more downfield like he was in 2016. And it was perplexing last year, like why they didn't use him more on post routes or deep ends and whatnot. He had success with that, or even go routes. He had success with that in 2016 with Ryan Fitzpatrick as his quarterback. You know, he can definitely develop that rapport with with, uh, with Darnold. I agree with you. I think it's going to be over. Um, you know, I think he'll put up, yeah, I'd probably say around five or six, but I definitely, I'd go over four. Uh, next, Robbie Anderson. So in 2017, he had seven touchdowns. 2018, he had six. I mean, but you could say that, He, you know, it took a little bit, uh, it took a few weeks for him to get chemistry with Sam Darnold. So that's probably the the reason it's it's slightly lower. I'm going to raise the bar. Obviously it's a contract year for Robbie high expectations. Gase is, he's going to be the number one wide receiver. Gase has talked about him a lot. So I'm going to say 10 touchdowns for Robbie Anderson. This is a bit of a stretch. We don't want them all to be over. We don't want to be completely homers. It's part of the reason it's called cool your jets. We want, you know, rational takes. 10 touchdowns, Robbie Anderson. Michael,
0: again, I'll start with you. Over, under, push for 10 touchdowns. I'm, I'm going to go under at 10, but I do think he'll get uh, a career high this year. He had six last year, seven in 2017. I think he'll get eight or nine this year. Uh, you look at his numbers the past couple of years, and when his starting quarterback is in health, uh, has been healthy, so Josh McCown in 2017 taking out the games with Bryce Petty, where you know Bryce Petty isn't good at throwing football, so Robbie Anderson couldn't really – catch the ball that much because you need a quarterback who's actually good at throwing it. So in the games in which Robbie Anderson had Josh McCown 2017, Sam Darnold 2018, his pace over 16 games has been about a 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. So as long as he stays healthy, Sam Darnold stays healthy, I could see him being around that range over the course of the season this year. So I think nine touchdowns would be my prediction for him. So he's going to get those deep bombs. He's going to run by some people because he's one of the best deep threats in the league. He's obviously really, really fast. He's great at the catch point down the field. And he's got great technique as a deep route runner. He knows how to get the DB's hands out of there and get that separation so he's going to get his deep touchdowns but the thing that's really promising to Robbie Anderson is what he did down the stretch there were no deep balls over those four games at the end of the season in which he put up uh over 300 yards over those final four games he's one of the top receivers in the league after Sam Darnold came back and none of that was really deep production at all so you saw those two product uh those two touchdowns in the red zone to just to see that out of Anderson I'm I'm pretty sure those were his first two career touchdowns under 10 yards, uh, the one against the Bills and the one against the Texans. So you really saw flashes of chemistry from them last year. So not only will Anderson probably put up good numbers as long as he and Darnold stay healthy, but just the flashes that he showed at the end of the season in the red zone in the intermediate range promises that he can maybe be even better than those 16 game pace numbers. So I think he'll be around a thousand yards, nine touchdowns this year, but I I could see better. I could see better if, both he and Darnold stay healthy and they continue what they did. It, it, it might be hard with the amount of targets that they have now, adding Crowder and Bell, but uh, I think a 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns is around where he'll be. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky
1: just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
2: Yeah. You mentioned staying healthy and Robbie's actually done a fairly good job of it. You know, you always worry when you see that six, 390 pound frame, you know, how he's going to be able to stay healthy. Part of it might be just the routes that he's been running. And now that he's going to go more inside, you might see, you know, more nagging injuries pop up, which I am concerned about with him. Um, However, I, I do think he's going to have a big year. I think he's motivated by the contract year. I think he's also just motivated as a football uh, player to prove people wrong and, and prove that he can be more than Mr. Go route. I'm going to go over on this one as well. And I know that's a bit surprising. I think he'll have around 11 touchdowns this year. Uh, I think 11 touchdowns, a thousand yards is around what he'll do. I mean, look, I, you talked about it. He has that chemistry with Sam Darnold. He he's Sam Darnold's favorite receiver. He might not be his, his you know, safety blanket, but I, I just, I really like Robbie Anderson going into that contract year that rapport that they showed at the end of the season. I think, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I see on those go routes that Robbie's going to be open. As you talk about the more versatile route tree scoring two touchdowns under 10 yards in the final four weeks. I think you just saw a lot of growth from Robbie at the end of the last end of last year. And I think you're going to see it into uh, this year as well. Uh, going, coming into number three, Jameson Crowder slot receiver, Again, hope he's all right. But as as far as touchdown predictions, let's assume he plays all 16 games up until this point, since we don't necessarily know the severity of his injury. Uh, In 2017, he had three touchdowns. 2018, he had two. Uh, 2016, he had slightly more. Um, I think Crowder is going to lead the team in receptions. Um, So again, I'll I'll set the bar fairly higher at five. Um, Michael, again, back to you over under five touchdowns for Crowder.
0: I'm going to go under, but only slightly. I'm going to go with four, which is his exact uh, per 16-game per average over the course of his career so far. He's got 14 touchdowns in 56 games, so four is what he would average over 16 games. And he's only hit that number once. He had seven in 2016. Uh, every other year, he had two or three. So I think four is decent, but what you said, I agree with. I think he is the favorite to lead the team in receptions. I think he's going to eat up that underneath game. He had a really good year after the catch last season. He had a career high in yards after the catch per reception. I'm pretty sure he's top five in the league last year. Him and Anunua were top five in yards after catch per reception last year. So I think that's going to be his game. And with Crowder, uh, an ability of his that I think a lot of people kind of overlook is that he's really good down the field. He's not just a dump-off guy or a slant route guy or a flat route guy. He can get up the seam and make some big plays. He did that a lot with the Redskins, and I think he's going to do that a lot with the Jets. The Jets actually tweeted out a video today of him catching a deep touchdown from Sam Darnold. So I think we're going to see a lot of big plays from him, but I think most of what his diet is going to be is going to be those slants, those flat routes, those drags, just underneath stuff, and I think that's really going to help out Quincy Noonwalk because that's going to let him get outside. He's not going to have to take as many big hits on screenplays and stuff, and he should be able to take advantage of his ability downfield, use that size, use that straight line speed. So I think Crowder should have a positive a positive impact on a noon lot that way. But I don't think he's going to be a huge touchdown guy. But I do think he can be, uh, he can lead the team in receptions. His career high is 67 he had in 2016. So I could see Crowder catching around 70, maybe even 80 passes this year, being that big reception totaling guy for them this year. But touchdowns, I think four is about we're all settled, with him, and I think those touchdowns are going to be big play touchdowns, too, because that's that's mostly where his touchdowns have come. He's made a lot of those big plays. I think he had a, a 76 yard touchdown against the Giants last year on a screen pass. So I think he's going to make a few big plays to get in the end zone. But I think four touchdowns is where I'll go for him. So slightly under that number of five.
2: Yeah. And you talked about kind of his versatility. I mean, you talked about Sam Darnold's route running. I think, yeah, James Crowder is a slot receiver that the Jets haven't really had. Austin uh, Santana Moss, a guy who can, can go underneath, but a guy who can go deep and, and stretch the field, similar to Robbie Anderson, that, that can really, uh, you talked about that 70-yard touchdown he, he had against the Giants. I certainly expect a few of those this year. Uh, and I like his ability in the short game. You know, When you're on the five-yard line, you're trying to find, when Sam's trying to find his you know, security blanket on, on a third and goal or whatever, I think he's going to look you know maybe first to Chris Herndon, his tight end or whatever, but I think his, his security blanket is going to be Crowder, and I think he's going to pick up a lot of touchdowns then. I set it at five. I think I'll go push. I think it's going to be right around. I think it's going to be five uh, this year for him. As I said, I do think he'll lead the team in in receptions. I think he's going to have a ton of yards, ton of fantasy production, but I'll go around five touchdowns. Um, f- number four, we'll, we're going to do five of these. Two more. I guess we'll go with Le'Veon Bell first, and we'll close uh, w- with another player. Le'Veon Bell. Uh, 2015, or excuse me, 2014, he had three touchdowns the last two years that he played 2017, 2016, he had two touchdowns each receiving. Um, so I'll set it at three touchdowns, Michael, again, back to you over under three touchdowns for Le'Veon Bell receiving.
0: Yeah. So Bell for his career has been, and both as a rusher and a receiver, he's, he really hasn't been a big touchdown guy. The most touchdowns he scored, uh, combined rushing and passing is eleven which he did twice. He had a season, well, he only played six games, but he only had three touchdowns. But overall, he hasn't been a big touchdown scorer. He only has seven receiving touchdowns in his five seasons uh, that he played from 2013-17. So if you went with that average, he would only score maybe two touchdowns, but I think he's going to have the opportunity to score more this year. I think the Jets are really going to rely on him to take a lot of targets, and he did in Pittsburgh. I mean, he had a season where he caught six passes a game in 2016, and he caught about six in uh, 2017 as well. So he's been a big target guy before. And I think Bell could lead the team in receptions. His career high is actually higher than Crowder's. He's had three seasons higher than Crowder's, uh, Crowder's career high in receptions. Uh, so I think Bell could score a few more touchdowns this season. Uh, I think – would you put the over-under right? You said uh, three. I think I'm yeah, going to go with uh, – I'm going to push. I'm going to push it. I think that would match – his career high. I think Darnold's going to look at him in the red zone a lot because the Jets don't really have a lot of big time red zone, uh, red zone targets. We saw Anderson come on at the end of last season. Hopefully that continues. If Anderson can keep doing what he did in the red zone over those final few games, that's going to be huge for this offense. But we don't know if he can continue that. And Nunoah hasn't been a great red zone guy. Crowder has been pretty good in the red zone. I'll give him that. And Chris Herndon showed flashes, but I think that You know, I think Le'Veon Bell is going to get a lot of targets in the red zone, which he did not get a lot of in Pittsburgh since they had so many great uh, passing targets to go to in the red zone. I think that's the reason he didn't score that many touchdowns. But for the Jets, I think that Bell is going to be featured a lot more in the red zone. So I'm actually I'm actually going to go over. I, I think he'll get four touchdowns this year, which would be his new career high as a receiver. Yeah, me too. I also think he's going to go over.
2: I think three is a, a safe place to, to, set it, uh, to set it based on, on his precedent. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, the Jets going to be without their starting tight end, who may or may not be the, the next person on this list for the first four games. So I think, you know, what is Adam Gase going to try to do in the red zone? I think he's going to get the ball in the, in the hands of his best player. And I think you talked about it, that Pittsburgh had so many top uh, players, whether it be Antonio Brown, uh, whether it be Heath Miller in the red zone. So Le'Veon Bell wasn't necessarily that top guy that they looked look to here. He's number one. I mean, it, if they're in a situation where, where they can get him the ball in the red zone, they're going to do it. Uh, so yeah, I think you're seeing screen passes, wheel routes. I think the flexibility that they have with, with Ty Montgomery, you know, supposedly having a great training camp as well, that's going to flex them out, uh, free them uh, to, to flex Le'Veon out uh, and, and have uh, more receiving touchdowns. And, and, touchdowns and whatnot. Uh, Lastly, Chris Herndon. Uh, Now he's going to miss the first four games of the year. Uh, Last year, he only started 12 games. um, So I guess it, you know, his stats of four touchdowns for, for 2018, is kind of a fair way to gauge uh, how many he'll get this year. So I'll set it at four, four touchdowns, Michael over under for Chris Herndon.
0: I'm going to go over. I think we'll get five. Even uh, if he plays the full 12 games, I think five, it's a good place to put him. He had those four touchdowns over the, like you said, he played 12 starts, but it's really only the final 11 games where he was actually uh, a major part of the passing game. So I think that it kind of puts uh, puts him in that range to where he can maybe get around five if you assume he improves a little bit, and then you kind of see the progression from the four touchdowns he had last year. So I think five is a good number for him. And, and I have high hopes for Chris Herndon and what he did last year. And rookie tight ends generally do not produce in this league. And it kind of gets overlooked a little bit, but what he did last year as a rookie is one, it's really one of the best rookie tight end seasons that we've seen in this entire deck really ever. And it, it really doesn't seem like it. His, his numbers that year weren't that great. He had 39 catches, 500 yards, four touchdowns. So those numbers don't jump off the page, but when you compare them to other rookie tight ends over the course of NFL history, it really is in the neighborhood of some great names. So what he did last year is really promising. And especially once he did start getting involved in the offense, his numbers from week six onward were among like top 10 in the league, whether you look at his yards, his receptions, uh, his touchdowns were all in that top 10, 15 range. So I definitely have high hopes for what he's going to be for this team in terms of his stats this year. And this is kind of a thing for all these guys, because the jets do have so many targets to throw to. They don't have an obvious number one receiver and they have a running back is going to get a lot of targets, and they've, they're have three deep at wide receivers. So there are a lot of targets to go around, and it's going to be hard for any one guy to put up huge numbers. But Chris Herndon, if you look at the numbers he put over those final 11 games last year, I think he, he can project those per game over a full season. He's putting up about over 40 yards a game, scored a touchdown, four touchdowns in those 11 games. So in 12 games a season, I could see him putting up five touchdowns. And in terms of yards, he'll probably be somewhere around 45 a game, which is what he's putting up last year after he got involved in the offense. So I have really high hopes for Chris Herndon. Hopefully this suspension is his last. Hopefully he can stay healthy and hopefully he can hopefully he can build off the way he finished last season. And he, too, built a really good uh, chemistry with Sam Darnold, uh, along with Robbie Anderson, over that stretch to finish the season. And especially in the, in the improvised game with what Chris Herndon was doing on those plays in which Sam Darnold would roll outside the pocket and break off his route. Chris Herndon was really good at recognizing when Sam Darnold would roll out, break off his route, and he would find a way to get open and make himself a target for Darnold. And also on the corner route too. the corner route was Darnold's number one most improved route over that final four game stretch in terms of yards per game. And Chris Herndon was a huge, huge part of that. He's really good on those corner routes this year. I'm pretty sure he scored two of his touchdowns on those, but he also made a few big plays down the stretch with the corner route. So I have high hopes for Chris Herndon and in terms of touchdowns, I'm going to go with five for him.
2: Yeah. I mean, anytime a player is suspended for, for four weeks, uh, I get a little bit weary about making stat predictions because one, I mean, he hasn't been involved for the first four weeks. He doesn't necessarily have that, you know, he has chemistry with Sam Darnold, but he doesn't, he hasn't been around football for four weeks. Uh, You worry about injuries. Um, He's got to keep himself in shape because oftentimes we see a guy come back from that. You might pull a hamstring or whatnot, you know, suffer from cramps and stuff. And then the other thing is you look, Adam gaze didn't really value specifically one tight end in, in Miami that much. So I am a little concerned, but yeah, the chemistry that you saw between Herndon and Darnold was evident. The, the success that Herndon had in his rookie year is so promising. And one of the most promising parts of this team, that's is seemingly talking about since the suspension, I struggle with it, but I think I'm going to go over and I, you know, I don't want to be too much of a Homer cause I think I've gone over a push on, on all these um, but uh, for Herndon, again, I just believe that he is their red zone threat. He is, he was Sam Darnold's safety blanket last year. It might be Crowder this year, but he's still not going to forget about that. You look at the chemistry they had, you know, in those, those Texans and Packers games. Yeah. You talked about some of those corner route throws and the improv- improvisation where Sam could kind of maneuver out of the pocket and Herndon just had a great feel of the game of where the opening was going to be in the defense. I feel it. I think. I think you're going around just over four or five touchdowns this year for Chris Herndon. Um, so that that'll wrap up that segment. I, I do want to keep with the offense for just one more uh, section here, talking about the wide receiver depth chart because nobody's really talking about this. Uh, you know, obviously we have a top-heavy wide receiver depth chart of Anunwa, Anderson, Crowder, and you could even throw Bellamy in there because he was signed this offseason, clearly a core special team locker room guy. So those four are locks. But outside of that, it is a battle. I mean, you, you talked about at the beginning of the show, it, it, this is a battle. Um, there's Deontay Burnett, there's Greg Dortch, there's Deontay Thompson, a guy like Sharon Peake who's been around for seemingly forever and is a contributor on special teams. A lot of guys vying for those last, you know, two, three uh, spots. So, Michael, I'll go over to you. When you're looking at who's going to be the fifth, sixth, and maybe seventh of a guy contributes on special teams, do you have any early favorites after this first week of training camp for how the Jets might round out uh, their depth chart?
0: Yeah, this is a really interesting position because obviously you have three locks at the top with Robbie, Quincy Nunois, and Jameson Crowder. And then after that, and I think Josh Bellamy is probably a lock as well. The Jets did sign him as an unrestricted free agent to a pretty decent deal. So I think those four guys are locks. But then after that, you have a lot of guys who bring different things to the table. You have Deontay Burnett, who's probably who probably doesn't have any special teams value. But then you have guys like Shron Peak, who are all special teams. Greg Dortch, who's been really active in the receive, uh, the returning battle so far. Obviously, the Jets have to fill that position. So I'm a really big fan of Deontay Burnett. What he did in the two games where he got extended action last year against the Bears and the Patriots, he looked really solid. He was the best receiver on the field for the Jets in those two games, which isn't saying much at all, but he had some really good routes in those two games, and those are against some really good defense. You're talking about play, playing on the road against the Bears and the Patriots last year, who had a really solid defense. So in those two games, he did look really good. And he was the youngest wide receiver to play in the NFL last year and the youngest player to ever play for the Jets. So this guy, has, he's really young. He definitely has a lot of room to improve, and he has that chemistry with Sam Darnold playing with him at USC. And I think that there's a lot of value to that, and we definitely saw flashes of it last year in those two games. So I'm a really big fan of his. I, I would like to see him make the roster, but obviously if he doesn't, then, you know, the Jets are watching him play in practice every day. They know more than we do. So I can't knock them at all. If he doesn't make the team, because they do know more about him and any player who you make your camp favor and the team decides to cut, you can't really criticize the team for it. Cause they know a lot more about them than you do. But Deontay Burnett is a guy who I would love to see win a roster spot this season. Cause I was really impressed or really intrigued by what he did in those two games last year, especially in that New England game to finish the season. So I would hope he makes the team, and I think he will make the team because just having that experience with Sam Darnold, the youth that he has, uh, and what he showed last season, I think definitely gives him a leg up on the rest of the guys in this competition because most of these players haven't really gotten too many opportunities to actually produce in the regular season. So I think Burnett has an advantage with that. So I think he will make the team. And then my debate after that is between uh, Sharon peak and Greg Dortch Cause I think peak peaks, not a returner, but he has uh value as a gunner kick return cover guy. Uh, he's pretty decent in that role and he's made the team because of that. So I want, I I'm really concerned about if they're going to keep both of those two guys. Well, not concerned, but I'm really intrigued to see how that plays out between peak and Greg Dortch. So, so what do you think about those two guys? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you talk about
2: Deontay Burnett. first off, uh, I think, you know, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right when you say that, you know, you can't really criticize a coaching staff when they cut a certain guy, uh, especially when he becomes a fan favorite. Because it's like, yeah, they see these guys in meetings. They see these guys every day in practice. Uh, they know these guys. Um, but I think the good sign with Deontay Burnett is like, look, Jamison Crowder went down today and Deontay Burnett filled in for him in the slot and impressed. So, I, I, yeah, I think Burnett makes this team. That gives you five. Uh, and then it's like, OK, well, you don't want have too much of the same receiver. I think Greg Dortch has impressed. He's an undrafted free agent that I have really liked. But is it too much the same wide receiver if you have Crowder, Bellamy, uh, Burnett and Dortch? Maybe, maybe not. But I think they'll, they'll go with talent over necessarily type of receiver. So I think both Dortch uh, and Burnett will stick. Uh, and then it's like, OK, well, you're sitting at six. I, then it comes down to, do you want to keep seven? And if you're keeping seven, it has to be for special teams reasons. That's why I could definitely see Sharon peak sticking on the roster. Again, you look at a guy like Brant Boyer, who had a lot of success with the special teams unit last year, losing a lot of, you know, a lot of pieces in Andre Roberts and Jason Myers and and some of those other guys. Um, I think he wants to keep some of that consistency. That's why I think you'll see Sharon peak stick as that seventh wide receiver. So yeah, if you have, you're pitting it as a battle between Dorch and peak, I could definitely see that. I could definitely see the Jets cutting Dortch and putting him on the practice squad, but both Burnett and Dorch have impressed. They gave Bellamy the contract. I think they're both going to stick. Um, and I think peak sticks for special teams reasons. And that means that you're going to have to cut, you know, either one of those running backs, whether it's Elijah McGuire, or Trenton Cannon, maybe both uh, you're going to have to cut uh, maybe somebody uh, in the tight end room or in the secondary or whatnot. You're going to have to find a place to, to make room for seven wide receivers. It's obviously not unprecedented. The Jets have done it before. So did plenty of other NFL teams, but if a guy like Jerome Peak is bringing you value on special teams, I think the Jets are, and specifically Brant Boyer, is going to vouch to keep him.
0: Yeah, and I, I think there is a lot of value to that special teams continuity, because the Jets are really good in special teams last year. They were easily the best special teams unit in the league, but I do think that Peak might, and he ha- does have a lot of experience on the unit, but I don't think he was that huge a part of it, because he wasn't, it was really the return units that made the Jets great last year, and I don't think Peek was a huge part of those. He's more of a punt return and kick return. Uh, yeah, a punt cover and kick cover guy. So I think that uh, he might not have had a huge part in it. But at the same time, there's still a lot of value to continuity, like you mentioned. So I think it's really going to come down to kind of a battle between the coaching staff in a way in terms of do we value depth at running back versus having peak on special teams or maybe it's another position that you're weighing peak against is it a linebacker is it an outside linebacker is it a cornerback a position that needs a lot of depth so I think we're really going to see and and you know in the offseason obviously it was a different general manager is not here now but the Jets let Jason Myers go they let Andre Roberts go so Brant Boyer lost two of the pieces that made his unit so good last season so I think we're really going to see I think it's going to tell us a lot about Joe Douglas and how much he values special teams but the way the Jets handled the bottom of this receiver depth chart uh, can tell us a lot about how they view special teams, both Gase, Joe Douglas, and you know if Boyer is going to be able to keep uh, some of the pieces, the core pieces of his unit. So uh, I don't think Peak is, I don't think he's been great really because he does have good athleticism. But again, I don't think he was a huge part of the return team last year. If we're talking about return team blockers, I actually think uh, Eric Tomlinson was pretty good on that unit last year. He ha- does not get a lot of love for it, but he was big on a lot of those kick returns. And Chris Herndon was actually really good. On those kick returns, but it's going to be interesting to see how this battle plays out. I think the bottom of the wide receiver battle is all about special teams.
2: Yeah, and, and I think the other thing that that you should uh, consider here is, you know, look, and uh, Joe Caparoso pointed this out that look, the Jets do not want to trot out uh, a wide receiver core like they did against the Chicago Bears this season. So God forbid some guys go down, I mean, yeah, I'm excited by uh, about Greg Dortch and and Deontay Burnett or whatnot, but I'd be interested to see if a guy like Deontay Thompson, who was signed during the Adam Gase GM tenure, if he sticks because of his his uh, veteran ability. He has played a good amount. Uh, he was a receiver for Buffalo, got a considerable amount of snaps, so I could definitely see him sticking over Peek. Uh, and the other thing about Peek that you should consider is you know, his, his end might be spelled by a receiver, but it could also be spelled by a running back in Trenton Cannon. If, if Cannon can prove that he can take that gunner role from Peek and provide, you know, that depth at, at running back where it's not necessarily needed as much, I guess, a, a receiver if you're going to keep uh, Burnett and Dortch and Thompson or whatnot, uh, I definitely think you could see the Jets move on from Peek in, in that sense because Cannon, to me, did
0: show a lot of promise getting down there and making some key tackles. Yeah, Cannon is such a big wild card because – Obviously, he was a late round pick and just the the big asset that he had coming in was his speed. But I think it was like we saw it in preseason and the regular season last year. There were times where that speed was really, really legit. And you saw it on special teams, times where he he made some big hits as a punt, uh, a punt cover guy last season. But he also had uh, pretty sure he had a penalty. I think it was a questionable one. I kind of remember. But I know he had a penalty. He had some whiffs. Uh, in in punt coverage Uh, and then as a receiver there were times where he got open down the field on a wheel route and made some big plays in that Vikings game he had a big catch down the field but then he had a drop against the Patriots on what would have been a 40-yard pass on a really good pass from Darnold, But he did get open on that play, and he got open against the Vikings, so we've seen him use his speed to get open as a receiver. We've seen him use his speed to get to the edge as a rusher, but we've also seen him get stuffed in the backfield because his vision isn't that good, and he's also a really small guy who doesn't have a lot of power and can't really break tackles, so he's a really interesting wild card. He can bring special teams value. And as a returner as well, we've seen flashes of his speed there, but he's also muffed a few punts. I'm pretty sure he had one in the regular season after he had uh, a couple in the preseason. So really across special teams as a returner, punt cover guy, as a receiver, as a rusher, we've seen flashes where his speed has been really useful and potentially dangerous. But there were also a lot of moments in which it was He really struggled with other things fundamentally, whether it was his hands, his tackling ability and the punt team, his return efficiency, his rushing efficiency. He struggled with those things for the most part. But we also saw his speed really flash the ability to be a really useful player wherever it might be as a receiver out of the backfield, as a rusher, as a punt cover guy, as a returner. So I'm interested to see not only if he makes a team, but. What, was, what role he makes a team with? Is he just going to be a punt cover guy? Is he going to win the return job, whether it be for the punt uh, the punt return role, kick return role, or both of those? Or are they going to stick him in the backfield and maybe see him make some big plays uh, as a rusher? Because even though he did flash a little bit last season, I'm pretty sure he averaged under three yards per carry, which is really bad. And even though the Jets did not run block well at all last year, they're maybe the worst run blocking O-line in the league, if not one of the worst. It was still... Uh, under three yards per carry was still worse than McGuire, worse than Powell, worse than Crowell. So he did struggle as a rusher. So Cannon is really interesting. I do think he has legitimate potential. I think it's more than just, you know, workout speed. We saw flashes of it being really useful, but I'm interested to see if he puts it all together and if he does make the team, what role he makes the team in.
2: Yeah, definitely. I agree. Uh, we, Michael, we spent a lot of time on this podcast and, and we're running out of time. So let's, let's, we spent a lot of time in this podcast on offense. So let's switch sides to the defensive side of the ball and we can do a similar activity that we did to, with the receivers. I'm going to speed this up a little bit just to make sure we get everything we want to talk about in this uh, inaugural episode, I guess. Um, we're going to do sacks predictions or sack over under uh, for five players. We'll start with Leonard Williams. We're going to set the bar at seven, which is significantly higher than what he's hit the past few years, but obviously in Greg Williams' scheme, we're expecting him to attack more. Uh, Michael, I'll kick it over to you. Leonard Williams over under seven sacks
0: in the season. I'm going to go over. I think he's going to have a big year this year. Seven is his career high. He had that back in 2016. He had five last year. He's averaged about four a season over his four years in the league, but I think he's going to have... In terms of sacks, I think he's going to have a big year. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a better impact player just because his sack total is going to be higher. But I do think the sacks are going to go up because Leonard Williams is a good player, and he has been. He gets knocked for having however many games in a row without a sack or without a tackle or anything. But you can't judge defensive linemen on box score stats because sacks make up such a small portion of the – the playing time a player gets uh, a guy like Leonard Williams is going to play over 800 snaps in a season. So if he gets seven sacks instead of five, eight sacks instead of five, it doesn't really change his impact that much because there are so many plays where other people get sacks because of the pressure Leonard Williams creates, or maybe he draws a double team and someone else gets open. It happens so much. and But I think the stars are really going to align this year for him to have a big sack season. He's going to play under Greg Williams, who's going to allow him to, get upfield more one gap and really uh, use his athleticism and his technique, his ability as a pass rusher to get more sacks rather than focusing on plugging up gaps. So he's going to have that to his advantage. He's going to play next to Quinn and Williams, who really has the talent and the ability to come right in and make an impact as a guy who's going to attract some attention. Uh, He's also going to have maybe Ja'Kai Polite, another guy on the edge. We'll see what he does this season. But I think there are a lot of reasons Williams is going to see an uptick in sacks. But another major reason is that, Leonard Williams, you look at his production as a guy who's gotten to the quarterback but hasn't brought in, uh, brought them down. It's really been pretty unreal how he's been able to get so few sacks with as often as he's gotten to the quarterback. Um, over the past two seasons, um, I believe he's somewhere around 12th in quarterback hits and about 90th in sacks. So that difference is just completely, completely abnormal. I'm, I'm, it's the biggest difference in the league of any player in terms of his, the difference in his ranking in quarterback hits and sacks. So he's definitely due to see a little bit more luck there in terms of converting his pressure into sacks. He's got Quinn and Williams. He's got Greg Williams. So I definitely think he's going to be in the high single digits this year, either eight or nine sacks for a career high.
2: Yeah. I mean, look for Leonard Williams, I agree with you. I think, yeah, he's in, in this Greg Williams scheme, he's not going to be doing as much reading, reacting and plugging holes as, as, as he was in Todd Bowles' system, and you talk about that discrepancy in, in QB hits versus sacks, and it, it really does trend towards look, this guy's entering; he's he's you know wants a new contract, presumably after this year, he's going to be attacking downfield more. You know, it probably is time for him to have that breakout sack year. And if, if anybody's going to do it, you know, kind of like Mo did in his contract year, um, although it's not you know officially his contract year just yet, um, but because he, he has that fifth year option. Seven for Leonard Williams, I definitely think is doable. I'll go over again. I was about to say under, but I'll be honest, Leonard. I'll be honest, Michael, your talk there kind of convinced me at the 11th hour to say, you know, I, I do think Leo is going to push the over on that. I think he wants that new contract. I think he's going to be attacking more. You know, uh, Adam Gase has raved about him. Greg Williams has raved about him. Even guys like Quinn and Williams have raved about him. Sacks are misleading, especially for a three-four defensive end. It's not everything. Leonard Williams is a good player, despite maybe what Jets Twitter thinks. He's not a you know an amazing. He's never going to be the the uh, the Richard Seymour, I guess, is that he was compared to, or, or the sack master that that people maybe thought he might be coming out of USC. Uh, I don't know if he was the best player in that draft, but he certainly is a good player. I think he was worth the sixth pick, and I think he's going to show you why this season. I'll go over seven sacks. I don't think it's going to be a crazy amount, but I definitely think you, I could easily see him hitting eight or nine sacks this year. Uh, number two on our list, uh, Big Quentin Williams, the rookie out of Alabama. I believe he's the best player in this draft. I think he's going to be a terrific player in the NFL, uh, You know, whether it's, it's run stopping or getting after the quarterback, creating pressure, and getting sacks. This is a guy that's very versatile along the defensive line. I think Greg Williams is going to have a lot of fun with him. Michael, I'll go back to you. Big Q, we're going to set the bar kind of high for the rookie. This is a guy that's highly touted. Third overall pick. Six sacks for the rookie defensive tackle defensive
0: end over under push. This is a hard one. I think this is probably the hardest one out of either with the receivers, too, out of the receivers and the defense with the sacks hardest over under. I I, I could see him right there at six because, you know, Quinton Williams is a great, player but the thing that we kind of have to find out is what we've learned with leonard williams is clinton williams going to be a sack guy in terms of the box score i know he's going to have a great impact i know he's going to defend the run really well create a lot of pressures hit the quarterback a ton but we just don't know if he's going to be a sack guy yet we also don't know if the jets are going to be a big sack defense this year because last year the jets were third in the league in quarterback hits but they were only 16th in sacks which actually is a lot higher than i expected them to be but The Jets were a defense under Todd Bulls that got to the quarterback a lot more than they brought them down, and that kind of trickles down to Leonard Williams. So we still have to see uh, the effect that Greg Williams is going to have and if Quentin Williams is going to be a huge sack producer or not. And as a rookie, I think rookies really kind of struggle to put up big sack numbers, even if they do show promise and play really well. Putting up a lot of sacks as a rookie doesn't really happen that often. So I'm going to say push here. I think six is a good solid number for Quinn and Williams, but I think long-term he obviously has double-digit sack potential, but even if he doesn't become a a double-digit sack guy, it doesn't mean he's not a dominant player. Guys like Gerald McCoy, Ndamukong Su they don't always put up double-digit sacks, but they still have a huge impact because for a guy like Quinn and Williams, sacks are not going to be everything, especially for him. He's not a defensive end. He's not an edge rusher. He's a defensive tackle who the Jets are going to use at the zero, at the one, at the three, and make his impact in there. So I think six is a good number this year. He can – I could totally see him busting out and having double digits this year, and over the rest of his career, he could do that as well, but – Uh, It still remains to be seen if he's going to be a huge sack guy, but I think six is a good number this year, and even beyond the sacks, he's going to be a really good impact player from day one. Yeah, I mean, look,
2: I, I'm going to go under on this one, and that's not me hating on Quinton Williams. I think he's a terrific player. I think he's going to have a great year. But, you know, look, if Quinton Williams has five sacks his rookie year and puts up, you know, you know, dominant run-stopping numbers like I think he will and getting some QB pressures, uh, I think that's kind of the rookie season that we'll see from him. I could definitely see him going over it, but I think you're going to see right around four or five sacks for Quinton. I think six is, is definitely in the reach, um, but since I've been so generous to some other Jets, I, I think maybe I'll take it out in the rookie and go under uh, for six here uh big henry anderson a tied for the lead with jet sacks with seven last year we're going to set the bar a little lower since they're adding in uh quinn and williams they're changing up the scheme it's not really necessarily fitting henry anderson exactly although there will be packages in the three four and whatnot leonard williams is more motivated so we're going to knock it down to five sacks for for henry anderson over under michael what do you think
0: i think i'm going to push here i think Seven. Henry Anderson is a good player. His seven sacks were legit last year. He he did have a couple cleanup ones, but he also had a lot of pressures and hits uh, beyond where he didn't get any sacks. So I think that he is a good player. He's going to produce a lot this year. He's going to get to the quarterback and I, I think maybe even be the best. Uh, I think that he was a lot better. He might have been their best interior pass rusher last year. Leonard Williams, obviously, Uh, is their most talented, but I really think Henry Anderson had a really solid season pass rushing last year in terms of pressures and hits even beyond those seven sacks. So I think he's going to continue to be productive, but uh, he did have, I believe before last year, he only had maybe three or five sacks, somewhere in that range over the course of his career with the Colts. So I think five is a good number. He's due to come down a little bit, but I still think he's going to be really productive even as a pass rusher, if that sack number goes down. So yeah, he did have three sacks over his first three years in the league. So I think he's due to come down a little bit, but I think five is a good number and he's still going to be productive overall. Yeah. I'm going to go push uh, on this one too. I, I just, yeah, I I think that Henry
2: Anderson is a very good player. I think last year was, is probably around his ceiling. Um, and that's not even necessarily being that negative. I, I still think he's a, he's a very talented player. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he's, He's never going to be the 10-sack, 12-sack guy, at least in my mind. I think five sacks for Henry Anderson is is exactly what you should expect to see. You know, I'm interested to see how he does in in a different kind of Greg Williams look. It sounds like when they are in the 4-3 that he's going to be that 4-3 end. And if you remember, that is why the Indianapolis Colts traded him, is because they were switching from the 3-4 to the 4-3, and they didn't necessarily believe that Henry Anderson could make that transition um, to a 4-3 end. The Jets clearly believe that he can. They signed into a deal. Um, and he's going to be here. So I, I think he's around a five, six sack guy. I'll go push with this one. Um, and that takes us into the next guy. The guy he was tied with Jordan Jenkins also entering uh, an, in an actual contract year. He's going to be a free agent after this year. He led the jets or was tied with the lead with Henry Anderson with seven sacks last year. We're going to set the bar at six. You know, I, I actually, well, we, we'll, we'll keep it at 6 I, part of me wants to go over because it is a contract year, but we'll set it at six. Michael, back to you. Jordan Jenkins, outside linebacker, hasn't really necessarily been the uh, the sack maestro, but he has worked uh, a lot this offseason, improving his pass rushing uh, you know game. And then he had seven last year. Do you think he gets over under uh, or push for six this year?
0: I'm going to keep the trend going. I'm going to say push here. I think six is a good number. So he only had five and a half sacks over his whole two first seasons, and he only had 12 quarterback hits over those first two seasons. So. Really low pass rushing production for an outside linebacker, but he busted out last year. He had seven sacks, and they were legit sacks. He was winning on those plays. He didn't really have that many cleanup sacks, and he had 15 quarterback hits and pretty good pressure numbers. So those were legit sacks. He did improve a lot as a pass rusher last season. You could clearly see his technique was better, and he worked on it a lot over the previous offseason. So I think he's a much more rounded player now than he was when he came into the league. And his his improvement has been really impressive, especially as a guy who you kind of saw as a high floor player, not necessarily a guy who could improve that much, but he has. His pass rushing has gotten a lot better. I think those seven sacks were legit, but I think that is kind of his ceiling because he is still a guy who... Uh, even though he hasn't improved, still has a cap on his athletic limitations or uh, athletic limitations that cap is ceiling as a pass rusher. And I think he is going to come down a little bit, but I think he'll stay in that seven to six range. So I think six is where I'll, uh, six is where we'll see him this year. But his pass rushing definitely has improved, and he is he has become a decent player uh, at that outside linebacker spot with his pass with his pass rushing. Overall, he is a pretty solid player, but his pass rushing has gone from really a non-factor to now solid.
2: Yeah, I mean Eric Allen, uh the the Jets uh reporter, I guess. Uh he thinks that that if all goes well, uh they said he said this on the the uh the broadcast this morning for or for Monday morning for for the Jets training camp that he thinks Jordan Jenkins could lead the team in sacks. I don't know if I'll go that far. I'll, I think it's going to be Leonard Williams this year, but I am going to go over with this one again. Contracts year a player that's worked a lot on this one area of his game. I think Jordan Jenkins is the future uh, at our outside line or one of our outside linebackering spots. Uh, I think he's great against the run. uh, And I think he he continues to work on his pass rushing game, Uh, you know, six sacks. I think it's doable. He did seven last year. Uh, I think you're going to have more talent up front. And, you know, sometimes with other positions that might hurt, uh, their numbers, but I think with the front seven, that's one of those cases where it actually helps. If he's getting more, if Leonard Williams is taking more blocks, and, and so is Quinn and Williams and Henry Anderson and whatnot, it's going to free up a guy like Jordan Jenkins or even a rookie in Ja'Kai Polite or whatnot to come off the edge and, and get those cleanup sacks. I'm going to go over with Jordan Jenkins, not by too much, but, but I do think he gets around seven or eight again this year, heading into the contract year. And I, th- I think this is a, a deal that Joe Douglas is going to want to get done. Last but certainly not least... Um, Definitely not least, uh, Jamal Adams, who you normally probably wouldn't see with it with a sack list, But because he's so versatile as a safety, he can do it all. He can definitely get after the quarterback. And I think he's just one of those guys that you're going to see Greg Williams send after the quarterback a lot this year. We're going to set the bar at three because he's a safety. He's not a
0: linebacker or whatnot. Michael over under three sacks for Jamal Adams. <sighs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really unoriginal. I'm going to push for the fourth straight time. Is, is that against he's. the rules? Can I do that? Can I do that?
2: Um, there there are no rules on this podcast
0: Michael there you go just keep that in mind for the future but yeah I'm <laughs> gonna push here so I think that three and a half sacks for safety is really high you usually don't see that but what he did last year as a pass rusher is really impressive he had eight quarterback hits three and a half sacks um I believe he led safeties and pressures as well so it's one of the things one of the many things he brings to the table and Greg Williams is Definitely going to use that to his advantage. So I think you're going to see similar pass rushing production. Uh, doesn't matter how they use him. Sometimes he lines up an outside linebacker and truly does rush the passer off the edge. And a lot of the time uh, he's just used as a blitzer. But his speed really comes into play and shows off when he gets the chance to rush the passer. So he's one of the best pass rushing safeties in the league. I think three is a solid number to put him at again, which is very strong for a safety. But even beyond that, just the knockdowns and the pressures that he gets, Uh, still top-notch at the position. Yeah, you know, uh,
2: you're you're saying you're going to be unoriginal with the push. I'm going to be unoriginal. I'm going to go with the over. I I think Jamal Adams is going to get four or five sacks this year. I truly believe that Greg Williams has one of the most versatile defensive schemes in this league. I think he obviously recognizes the talent that he has in Jamal Adams and the versatility that he has. And look, he is probably, if he's not the best Jets pass rusher, he's up there. Uh, And certainly with with his ability to just get around the edge and get after the quarterback, he has a talent for forcing fumbles. And I think this Jets defense, if your corners aren't going to be top-notch, then you're going to have to rely on making turnovers and creating turnovers. That's, that was the recipe that the Philadelphia Eagles used is they didn't necessarily have the best court when they won the Super Bowl. They didn't necessarily have the best corners, uh, but they created a lot of turnovers, whether that be with interceptions or, or fumbles or whatnot. So I think you're going to see Adams rush the pass or try to get after, try to get that ball out. I think that's what is one of his specialties is. Uh, so I think, I think you're going to go four, uh, and I, and I think you could see, you know, with that maybe two or three strip sacks uh, to go along with that. So, uh, I guess that'll round out our, our sacks for each player. Let's check the time. We don't want to go over an hour here. We're at 58 minutes, so I guess we'll close there. We have a few more topics, but our, our next show, our official first show, will be on Monday. I believe it's August 5th. I don't want to mess it up. August 4th or August 5th. Hold on. I'm prefer- yeah, 5th. There it is. Fifth. There you go. I, I, I even put it on all the tweets and the, the promotional <laughs> stuff. But our first Cool Your Jets podcast will be on August 5th. This was just kind of a test run to see, you know, kind of, you know, Michael and I were working out that chemistry, kind of like uh, Le'Veon and Sam this offseason, kind of seeing, you know, how, how we're doing, you know, definitely when we get onto our feed, we want to add some, some different segments and different uh, kind of put more of our spin on that. But we figured we'd get our voice on, on, on Scott's uh, on play like a jet feed. He's so generous. He's, he's a good friend of mine. Um, we look forward to having him on our podcast in the future. Um, he does great work there, but, but thanks again for, for allowing us on on this feed. And and we figured we'd just run through some, some, quick training camp topics since there's a bit of a lull, um, since Tuesday, there was no practice, but again, you can follow the show at CyjPod on Twitter. You can follow Michael Nania at Michael underscore Nania on Twitter. Uh, when the show's feed is up and running, it will be on iTunes, Spotify, um, you know, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google play, wherever you listen to podcasts, it might take a bit to get it up there. Um, we'll see i'm gonna try to have it up on monday but itunes is kind of finicky if you don't have an episode and and whatnot but we're gonna get the 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 content out there on monday just follow the twitter at cyj pod uh we look forward to to running this podcast getting better uh please give us our your you know feedback we want to know what we didn't do that well if you know if the audio quality was all right if we should maybe you know switch it up i I heard it drag a bit at times so maybe we'll investigate into that um you know different things We, we you know we this is a podcast of the people. We want to know, you know, what you guys liked and what you didn't like. We certainly have a, a lot more to get into and, and that we want to do uh, when we get onto our own feed. So again, make sure to follow us at CYJ Pod. Michael, before we close the show, anything else you'd like to add?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm just really excited to get going. Uh, this is going to be a really fun season. I think it will be. It has the potential to be uh, the hype for this team is at an all time high, and it definitely makes sense to launch this podcast at the same time. But yeah, I definitely think this is the kind of podcast that we, we want to be worth your time. When you make the decision to turn on a podcast and make the someone's voice go into your ears, we want it to actually be worth your time, worth that decision. So uh, we definitely want it to be the kind of podcast that when you turn on, at, by the time you're done listening, you feel like that you've learned something, that the con- you heard conversations that were worthwhile and enlightening. So I definitely hope that we can accomplish that with this podcast and we're going to get better as we continue to go along with it, but it's going to be a lot of fun this season. And no matter how good or bad we are, I think that Cool Your Jets is going to be there and it's going to be a really good, really fun part definitely for us of each football week, but hopefully for you as well.
2: Yeah. And as I said at the beginning, I mean, I know uh, whenever you announce a podcast, I think people's reaction is, oh, great. You know, another podcast this is exactly what we needed. But I think Michael and I are, you know, can't make a, a good team. And, and we're, we're really excited to bring something that, that we think, you know, as we get our feet wet and whatnot, can be really versatile and funny and, and unique and, and a bit different. Um, so anyways, yeah, follow us, CYJPod on Twitter. Uh, this this episode and all our future episodes will be on turnofthejets.com. Make sure to go follow at Jay Caporoso on Twitter and, and check out turnofthejets.com. It's the best place uh, for Jets coverage out there. Otherwise, everybody have a great week. Let's hope uh, Jamison Crowder's all right. I mean, I guess by the time you're listening to this, we'll, we'll know. Um, but let's hope for health during this training camp, I, I guess, overall. No injuries, uh, at least no, no big injuries. And let's hope the Jets have, have a great uh, training camp and a great season.